name's Sid Garza Hillman, and this is what I think. Sid, what about the FODMAP diet? The FODMAP diet? You're asking me about the FODMAP diet? The fermentable oligo dye monosaccharides and polyols diet, you ask? It annoys the shit out of me is the answer uh, to that. And I'll tell you why on m- multiple levels. First of all, I've had to deal with lots of people on the so-called FODMAP diet. And by deal with, I mean deal with. I mean, I got to deal with them, like deal with them. So buckle in on this if you've heard or used or whatever. Okay, is it all 100% bad? No, kind of like the paleo diet. There's some stuff, you know, there's some stuff. But man, here's what's happening. You got your irritable bowel, okay? You got your other things gut related, diverticulitis, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease. It's all happening down there. You want to know why? Because we're stressed. And when we're stressed, the bacterial balance, that sort of delicate balance gets screwed up. It's called dysbiosis. It gets all wonky. Small intestine too. There's something called SIBO, S-I-B-O, small intestine bacterial over... I love acronyms, by the way. You know, anything you want to just make happen, just make an acronym out of it and you're done. SIBO, small intestine... Okay, so you get get the... There's a theory that says, well, these fermentable sugars carbohydrates their carbs are a bad if i'm trying to by the way if i'm trying to sell you something that has two things in it and it doesn't have the third thing you know what the best thing for me to do is make the third thing evil okay i'm just saying as a from a marketing perspective if i'm going to sell you this thing that says my thing has a and b in it it doesn't have c so therefore a and b are the best by the way c is really it's not just not in my thing it's actually bad it's bad like it's evil watch out for c that's essentially what's happened with carbohydrates. They become a bad word because they're not in the thing that has billions of dollars of income coming in. So they go, well, let's just, our thing doesn't have carbohydrates. So let's just make sure carbohydrates are not just not in our thing, but just evil and horrible and scare the shit out of people. Almost no pun intended. And let's just make that evil. So it's sort of kind of what's going on here. So here's the thing. Small intestine dysbiosis is, 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 can be a thing. Guess what? in low fiber diets. How many times I've tell you, how many times have I had this talk with you guys? Low fiber means the wrong types of bacteria in the gut and also less of the byproducts of healthy bacteria, which are, there's something called butyrate anyway, don't worry about it. Short chain anti-inflammatory fatty acids, which keep the colon wall strong and true. They prevent, it prevents anti, you know, prevents leaky gut. Okay. So the whole FODMAP thing is a little, it's a little, it's not a little, it's a lot nutty nut nut, okay? And it's, it. the science on it is not a ton and it's not, it's all over the place. And here's why I know the science isn't that good because I've read it first of all and second of all because FODMAP lists are all over the place. I've worked with people or were at least not worked with, but dealt with, there's that word, dealt with people, I can eat this, but I can't eat that. But then another FODMAP person can eat this and not eat this. And here's what's happening, Okay. They are, most FODMAP lists are allowing the following, okay? Now, this is somebody who doesn't want to have irritable bowel syndrome, okay? So just, I'm kind of putting it out there. There's the note, okay? They don't want to feel bad. They've got stuff going on in their guts and it makes them 
un, 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 uncomfortable and unhappy, okay? So here's the list of things that are on the go, on the green light FODMAP list. Wait for it. Beef, chicken, half and half, hard cheeses, eggs, cold cuts, fish, lamb, pork, specific fruits, but not other fruits, same for veggies, some of these, not these, kind of these, this and that. It's exhausting and wait for it, stress-inducing. What? Yeah, exactly. What kind of insanity is it that if you're trying to create a healthy gut in all levels, small intestine and large, you're going to allow things like animal protein that is extremely inflammatory? Hard cheeses, but not the soft cheeses. I mean, for the love of all that's holy. Now, can it elicit a relief in people who try the FODMAP diet? Sure. Here's what happens when most people go on any kind of diet, and I mean any kind of diet. They begin paying attention to something that they weren't paying attention to before. As a result, there can be an improvement in their eating habits because they're paying it, they're watching it. And then they un may misunderstand the fact, they make a correlation instead of causation. They go, I tried the FODMAP diet, I felt better. It's therefore because of the FODMAP diet. No, it's because you're paying attention to stuff and probably eating better and maybe even chewing your food a little bit more, not overeating, you're paying attention. But as soon as that wears off, guess what? Back to the insanity. And who wants to walk around, show of hands, with a very long, and I've seen it, I have it on my hard drive right now. Why? Because I deal with people. FODMAP, long list of things you can and can't eat. If you need that level of attention, get it somewhere else. Don't make your life miserable and the people around you because you have this long list of cans and can'ts. It harkens back to what I call the Prius effect, one of my earliest uh, episodes of this po of this podcast, the What Sid Thinks one, not my last one, was called the Prius effect. And that is the idea that we will deal with way less important things and and expend a lot of more energy on less important things because we because we don't want to deal with the sort of biggest offenders over over on the corner here that we know are there but we don't want to deal with those for whatever reason so we deal with like plastic straws 0.04% of of ocean pollution we'll we'll just put all of our eggs in the plastic plastic we'll just become advocates for no more plastic straws when over 50% of the pollution in the oceans is because of fishing, but we don't want to do that because we like fish too much. So we'll, we'll focus on something that isn't that important, like driving a Prius. It's great. It helps the environment a little bit, but not as much as way more things that have a way greater effect, but we don't want to touch those things. So we drive a Prius and feel like we've solved the climate crisis. There is a stress relief to attention paid on any diet. When you pay attention and somebody says, here, follow this and you will feel better, there's placebo going on there. And there's potentially, in many ways, a better food choices, at least in the short term, because you're paying attention to something. Keto diet, in large part, has to do with this, especially when people give up dairy because they're on the keto diet sometimes, or the paleo diet, which is essentially the keto. They give up dairy. Good move. And they eat many, maybe they eat more vegetables or something that allows them to feel better. Would they keep feeling better if they kept going, actually improving? Yes. The FODMAP diet is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Can you get on top of it? Yes. You know how? Eat food that has fiber in it. Fiber feeds the good, healthy gut bacteria in the gut. And gut bacteria in the gut. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Feeds that good gut bacteria in the gut. And the effect of that is lower inflammation less irritability, better sleep, by the way, better immune system, better weight management, all those things. Okay. Gorillas, 
are sitting around looking at us. And I got to tell you, they are making fun of us. Gorillas are making fun of us. You know why? Because they're looking at us with these FODMAP lists and they're saying, because they've recorded them, my God, man, you guys are nuts about the food. You're just paying way too much attention and wasting a lot of your time. And those are just the British gorillas. There is a new coffee study. You know I love coffee studies. I'll tell you why. Because coffee studies come out and they just they they just they just they just keep coming, right? They just keep coming. So this one, I'll link to it. It's in Science Daily. First of all, it was the European Journal of Preventative Cardiology. European Journal. And I'm first of all, I'm like European, really. I mean, they just got science, right? So they're it's cute. They just got it, and now they're like, let's do a report. I mean, it's ador- it's adorable. Coffee drinkers were compared to non-drinkers for the incidence of arrhythmias, cardiovascular disease, and death. It's very heart health focused, okay? After after adjusting for, wait for it, after adjusting for age, sex, ethnicity, obesity, high blood pressure, diabetes, obstructive sleep, apnea, smoking status, status, tea, and alcohol consumption, diet, not there. Not adjusted for diet. How do you do a coffee study that you were in, you do not adjust for diet. Isn't that insane? Ground and instant coffee, but not decaffeinated, interestingly to me, because de- let's face it, on every level, decaffeinated is wrong, was associated with reduction in arrhythmias, including atrial fibrillation. Ground and instant coffee, but not decaffeinated. So, fine, it's good. Look, I don't think coffee is the worst thing in the world. I love it. I'm not saying that, but minimize it, okay? But focus on the, again, Prius effect. I'll drink more coffee if it means I don't have to touch the diet, which is a way bigger factor in heart health than coffee will ever be. I will mention one more finding in this study that I found interesting. It said those who consumed instant coffee, okay? So that's like open the jar, scoop it out, stir it into your hot water, okay? Instant. Those who consumed instant coffee were 74% more likely to die of stupidity. Actually, that was, you know what, that last one, that was a, that's a study I did. That's a study I did. I'm sorry. That's a study I did. Um, thanks, these in show notesies. Thanks to Patreoners and the, 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 you know, check the show notes for stuff about my Small Steppers program. It's 12, 12 week online, or you can work with me directly, which is more fun, frankly. They're both great. I'm not saying that. And I do live Q and A's in the, in the online one, but it's all good. Don't do it unless you want to live better and, and manage your stress better and create healthy habits. If you don't want to do those things, do not do my programs, okay? The episode, this episode is called The Conflict of Potential. Um, this, is, this is interesting to me. The conflict of potential is this. If we were just crappy human being, and we are pretty crappy, but, but here's the thing, the, here's the, where the conflict exists. We don't have to be, and that's a problem on a species level and on an individual level. There is a conflict of potential, meaning we have great potential. You know how I know? Because we create problems, but then we can also solve problems, which means we're not just horrible. We're not just evil. We're not just lazy. We're not just crappy. We have the potential on an individual level, which is where my most of my interest lies, to do great things with our lives individually. And by great things, I don't mean things that are identified by other people as great, like a great novel, but the fact that we can write a novel, that's a great thing. I don't care if the novel's bad or good. It's a great thing. 
that we can do those kinds of things. There is a conflict of potential, which is that we are in a, many of us are in a state of conflict because we know on some level that we could do better. We know that we want more. And every one of my clients in this world and I are in some level of this state of conflict. There are things that we want to take on, things that we are sort of curious about doing that we could like, Man, I bet I could do that. Um, the the um, introduction of my hopefully forthcoming book, good Lord, I mean, I'm having to shop the damn thing. I think I might've found an agent. It's so frustrating to have to be going through this crap again of shopping a book, but so it goes. Um, but the but the introduction is, um, I wonder if I could, dot, dot, dot. And that was kind of where I was in the whole ultra running thing. It was like, I wonder if I could. And that was a win for me because I went, well, I'll, let's give it a shot. And we, we, we know on some level, most of us, that we could do more. And rationally, we also know, and this is where it gets really rough, is that we'd be happier doing it. We know on some level that we'd be happier trying. I knew on some level that if I just attempted, even if I failed, that it wouldn't be failure because I attempted it in the first place. And the not doing of things that we are, that we know we have potential to do creates this conflict. And it is a conflict that begs for silencing. We don't want that around. We do not want to think I probably could, or I hate the word should, so screw that, but could or want to write a song or write a book or go back to school or take a course or learn a new thing for no reason at all. I want to do that. I could do that. And when you don't, it doesn't feel good. So what our answer for many people is to lower the bar. There's nothing easier, nothing better <clears throat> than lower the bar. Ah, I'm too old. I couldn't do that. I just read an article today that a client sent me. She goes, I was thought about you when I read this article because it was about a professional football player. And I mean, you've seen me, right? I've, everybody looks at me and they go, professional football player, right? And I'm like, nope, small steps, coach. Clo close though. No, she wrote, sent me this article about a professional football player who played a few seasons in the pro, the pro league and then just didn't make it. And he went back to school and became a neurosurgeon at like 35. I mean, insane. I think it was a neurosurgeon, but it, a surgeon ne nevertheless. And he, in the article, he talked about small steps, like doing something each day, a little bit each day. And so that's why she sent me the article because it's like this guy, you know, 35, a retired football player in a sense, just didn't make it. And he could have just said, I'm just going to, and he goes, goes back to school, becomes a doctor for the love of God, right? So there's nothing better or easier than lowering the bar, lowering our expectations, convincing ourselves we can't, that we don't want to, or better yet, that we don't have time or that we're too old. There's just, it's the easiest thing. It is the easiest thing to do. I don't, I can't do it. It's just, you know, I just can't do that. I just can't do it. Just, I'm too, oh, that's what happens when you age. I love as a 72-year-old woman crosses my 50K finish line as if she hadn't even barely run a race. But other people, well, that's just what happens when you get older. Well, there are things that happen when you get older. That's true. But there's things that don't have to happen when you get older, like giving up. Okay? So some work to resolve this potential, this conflict of potential by saying, okay, fine, I'm just going to try to achieve more. They understand that there's a fear of failure. They understand that they try to do the novel and they, it's a shitty novel, that there's going to be some effect feeling of that's a bummer. But they also kind of know 
on some level that trying it and doing it and accomplishing it regardless of the outcome or how it's perceived by others is a success no matter what, that the quality of that is not really that relevant at all. And that also going through it that first time means that the second time that you do it, it's going to be better because you've had the experience of the first time that goes for races and anything you create, anything you try, even if you fail the first time, you it, it's the experience of that that teaches you and you grow so that when you try it the second time, you have a better chance of succeeding that time. And some people re- work to resolve this conflict of potential by tr- actually trying, by saying, okay, well, I'm gonna actually give this a shot. But then others try to resolve this conflict by taking it out on the, on, on the world, by taking their day-to-day conflict that they feel out on the world by vitriol, more anger, more confrontation, more Twitter crap. And it's like resolve that stuff either by taking action to resolve that conflict of potential or go to a therapist or deal with it. Because when you are walking around with this conflict, you're probably going to have irritable bowel. What did I do there? Full cir- Are you kidding me? Full circle? Yeah, listen, if you have the irritable bowel, just do the FODMAP. Carry the list with you. By the way, carry it in your pocket. And I will tell you, launch it whenever you can, because in a social situation, nobody loves hearing. I mean, everybody loves hearing by that I meant about lists and things that you can and can't eat, especially spouses. Just here's the things I launch that out. You're at a party. Look at this. Bring it out. Trust me on this. They're going to love it. People love to talk about that. They do. It's fun. Resolve your conflict of potential. It's easily resolved in this sense. Do. Remember I said always be doing recently? Do something. Find out where the conflict exists for you. That's usually like, you know what? I always wanted an X, Y, Z. And if you're not doing that thing, start doing it because that's how you you, you resolve that conflict of potential. And be aware, try to be aware by taking small moments, that's what I would say, of where potentially your conflict is being played out in the world. How is it stopping you in your relationships? How is it stopping you at work? How is it preventing you from living the life that you want to live? Keep your potential secret. You don't have to tell anybody that you're writing a novel. You never have to tell anybody you're writing a novel. It doesn't have to be in the world ever. You could write it and destroy it. But to resolve that potential is to live a happier life. To resolve that potential is to live a fuller life. And I'll tell you this, ignorance cannot be bliss in this sense. It is, you cannot say, I don't want to think about it because ignorance is bliss. Because on some level, you already know. To be blind 
The misfit still tries to fit Reshapes, reforms But misses it still Till a place is made And it gently lands In an act of will But the ground hits back so Splinter off only two Love only pretends to be blind Love only pretends to be blind, to be blind, to be This way and that has most anything that will take us back. In the end, what's safe will kill. It drains and drains and won't refill. But the ground hits back so I close my eyes only to find love only pretend. To be blind Love only pretends To be blind Love only pretends To be blind Love only pretends To be blind To be blind To be Pretends to be blind, to be blind, to be blind. Love only pretends to be blind, to be blind, to be blind.